0: Welcome to the Education Scholars Conversations. I'm your host Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Ken Barfield from Three Rivers Community College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on the Education's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of the Education Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.
1: You were about to hear part two of our conversation with Kim Barfield from Three Rivers Community College. Please be sure to listen to our previous episode to hear part one of this conversation.
0: So for people who don't know anything about assessment for prior learning, yeah. why don't you tell tell us a little bit about what that means in a college, you know, in the context of college credits, you know, right. that, and maybe a use case of like why would someone want that?
1: sure so a so a student um may have a background maybe they're working in a particular industry um maybe they're military students and and they have a depth of knowledge in a particular area or they've taken some some kind of training program or or whatever and there and and there's no college credit for it if, if it's a college if they're bringing college credit to us from some other college or source um, we take that and we give them the college credit here but sometimes they don't have the college credit but they have the skills they have uh, a lot of the education and training that they need um, and so so they would come to us and they would uh, enroll in our um, APL program which which like I said is usually a course that we run in the fall pre- That essentially tells them how to put together that portfolio, gives them step-by-steps and shows them what kinds of things are important to include and the documents that need to be there. Uh, And and then once that's done in the spring, they will, they can submit a portfolio. And, and, you know, we, I think, are the last community college in Connecticut to actually still do this. Uh, There were a couple of others who are no longer doing it. Um, It's, it doesn't, it's it's not a revenue generating thing for us, uh, you know. It's only like a hundred dollars um, for them to submit a portfolio that could get them as many credits as they think they can put in there, uh, and that and that and that we uh, we assess think them for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it doesn't generate a lot of revenue, but it really does help a lot of our students, especially. It's especially valuable for um, students who are already adults and are out there working. Um, and who may have limited time and it's a way to speed up their time in college, speed them up a little bit toward their degrees.
0: You know, I love that about um, you um, for putting so much effort into doing something, that like you said, it's not even a huge revenue generator for the college, but it is so meaningful for, for people and, and it's also something that people forget that colleges especially in community colleges where you can serve you you serve people who have a life of experience uh but you know may not have been recognized from a college credit standpoint right but also people who um a lot of people that i have met that didn't even realize that that exists and by the time they realize that they also doubt themselves they go but what do I have to offer? I've only been doing this for forty years. It's sort of like, like it's the same thing that I do. I mean, I already knew it. Like they don't, they don't even think that it's is anything special because it had become so tacit. Yeah. And 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 for them to be able to almost formally put something together that says, actually, hold on a second, you know, I've, I've, I'm actually have a lot of skills, and and those things are not, um, are not. Um, you know they are valuable. They are not something that uh, people um, uh, that 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 um, that the formal education system should ignore, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is so meaningful because it it gives people, um, and that sometimes is the is the way of um, lifting people out of potentially a situation that they're in that they felt like they couldn't get out of, um, because that might be able to give them enough credits that says, oh. If for me to then go and earn that college degree, I now have a path to do that. Mm-hmm. I no longer need to take all, you know, like a full load of, you know, like college courses sort of from scratch, especially if I already don't feel like I find value in some of them because I already know it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's an amazing thing that you're doing.
1: And I also want to point out that, I mean, I didn't, I, did, I wasn't the one who took the APL program and put it in mm-hmm. there. I mean, that's actually Amanda Caffrey who did a lot of the, the groundwork and actually put this in and she manages that program today and and does an excellent job with that but i'm just excited that we have it there
0: and amanda is amazing too um we got to get her on here sometime um and uh so i know that you have over the years done a lot of different projects i mean i'd love to hear some of the the things that you are seeing, what's happening in the world today? I mean, this last year, you know, of COVID, of all of the, um, you know, um, social justice and unrest and, and, and all of these things happening um, and still happening, and, and a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, trends that's happening in higher education. What are some of the things that you see as a dean?
1: Yeah, I, are you talking about in the portfolio world or anything? No,
0: just just higher education <laughs> in general. Yeah. I,
1: uh, so I was going to say to you that the in the portfolio world, it one of the things that I was excited about, and I actually mentioned this at our uh, Gen Ed committee meeting once. Is I said, now that I said, now that we're a few years in, I said we can actually. I said we haven't we haven't deleted any portfolios. We can always go back. And we can do like a longitudinal study and see where students started. Look at some of their some of their um, portfolio items from their first year. And you know, community colleges students don't necessarily finish in like two years. It may be three years or more, depending on how much they're working and how many classes they're taking um and so we can actually go back and look longitudinally and see how much that students progress so our gen ed in the future could actually include that piece how much did that student grow from the beginning mm-hmm. to the end something that's something that's probably easier to manage in a university or four-year college a little bit harder for the community college but we now have the ability to do that and, and i think that's that's excellent and another thing in the portfolio world that i think would has has really helped us is um, our public speaking classes. The instructor there, the program coordinator there is really um, uh, taking this on board and, and believes in it and he is always the first person to ask us if we've created the courses for our assessment and education um, so that he can get that in. We run a number of those public speaking classes um, and, and so he feels that it has really opened up his ability to um to have students create portfolios and uh, be able to assess that piece because now they can record themselves we we were doing it on campus with with covid going and the pandemic they can still do those things at home and still include them in their portfolio and we can mm-hmm. st- still use it in that way um so so those are two things that are exciting in the portfolio world um in the Outside of that, you know, our our world is kind of technology in general. Um, prior to the pandemic in 2019, you know, we were creating uh, a special lab on campus, uh, and the lab was going to allow us to teach students remotely in real time. And so we set this room up. <laughs> so we set this room up, and we've got like two large. Um, touch screen monitors in the front. Uh, there's an instructor station. It, you know, there is a motion sensor on the front wall and on the back wall. And it follows the instructor as they move through the through the 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 room. Um, there are microphones mounted in the ceiling so we can pick up the student conversation and there's a monitor mounted in the back of the room that the instructor can see where remote participants would be there, and the remote participants could actually participate in that class with the live students there. Um, And and then there was a lot of technology at the instructor station. It connected in with WebEx, and so, so there were a lot of things going on, and this room cost us a lot, and we invested in it. But the thing that perhaps what's most valuable to come out of that was, and we built this, and we ran a pilot with the, uh, with our architecture of the world class, and, and, and it did very well. Um, and then we were going to run it again, and we were going to expand it to other types of courses and other programs. And then last year, pandemic happened. So the most valuable thing to come out of this was, I was saying, what we really have is a new kind of hybrid. We were trying to figure out how to fit it in. Was it a traditional class? Was it fully online? Was yeah. it was it a hybrid? I was saying it was a new kind of hybrid. Um, and talking to our colleagues in in Hartford, they were saying, they were saying, well, yeah, hybrid maybe, but we don't want to confuse it with the definition that we're using for hybrid online courses um and they said why don't we just register the students in two groups so one, one student group will actually take this as an on-campus class and the other group of students will take it as online and and that's the way that they will register um, but it's not the standard online this is actually a live live remote class that you're doing so let's call it live remote online and so that's what we that's what we did. We created the and it, it took some work because we had to create this in banner, this instructional method, and, and we built all of that. And then the pandemic happened and then <laughs> we had to push everybody out and we called everything Elron. <laughs> <So, laughs> everything was live remote. <laughs> So
0: you you were just you were just early. You, did yeah. you know something we didn't know?
1: Yeah. So so it was actually it was actually very convenient that we had that already that we didn't have to you know scramble right. to try to set something up. Mm-hmm. But but I would say we but were we were the first to have that.
0: Yeah. There's I mean there is something. I mean I'm not surprised in in many ways because you've always been very innovative in that area and even without the pandemic it was something that is you know it's got some sort of like. For, the writings on the wall so to speak right and and uh, but that certainly had accelerated the need for something like that to happen right um do you f- what do you think going forward into into the fall semester now people listening to this is probably going to be this fall semester would have started already right um so Um, But now, you know, um, you know, we are we are now still in the summer as we're talking. um, What do you think the fall semester will bring? um, You know, certainly, you know, at at Three Rivers and what what are you looking for?
1: Yeah, uh, well, at Three Rivers, we're we have uh, designed a schedule that's about 50 percent on campus with the idea that you know, we are requiring all students to be fully vaccinated, and the expectation, of course, is that faculty and staff who are on campus would be fully vaccinated as well. We are, um, you know, we are still saying that, at least of right, as of right now, that everybody still has to wear masks and we have to have some social distancing. Um you know, we have other protocols for cleaning and things like that, and we're going to leave those in place as we get into the fall. Uh, and, you know, we've been monitoring and very concerned about that Delta variant of the coronavirus, um, and, and so we, and we're and we connected with our um, um, Department of Public Health uh, for the state, um, and so we're getting information and we're communicating with them continuously. I, I feel I feel very good about our ability to be able to continue to do on-campus classes through the fall because we were successful the previous fall when the pandemic was raging and there was no vaccine, um, you know, we saw at this college that our our protocols worked, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, and I'm not saying no one had any cases of COVID. We actually did have a few of those in the classes. We had some uh, among the staff. Um, but it usually, well, in every case, it was an external source. A student ended up with something or a, fact, mm-hmm. or, you know, a staff member would end up with something. Mm-hmm. And then we would notify everyone in the class. That person would come out and quarantine for the requisite amount of time. Um, and then uh, everyone else would continue. And we didn't see any community spread. So, so those measures that we were taking were working um, mm-hmm. even without the vaccine. So, so By the
0: I'm, way, the the whole cleaning part. I mean, why don't we just clean anyway? I mean, I, I think we all enjoy a better, cleaner environment.
1: <laughs> well, and, and we, I mean, it was extra cleaning. So it was like the, the <laughs> facilities people were going around and they were cleaning yeah. like door handles between classes and things like that. So it was it's the extra work. Yeah, yeah we're, we are always cleaning, but uh, but this is. <laughs> I,
0: I I I I joke, but um. I must say, you know, to, to anyone who's listening to this, who's, you know, um, I hope you appreciate all of the cleaning that people do, and you know, sort of behind the scene. It's, it's you know, all jokes aside, is extraordinarily hard work um, yes. to just, you know, keep keep it all, you know, um, safe for everyone. Um, and what, what do you think about, um, you know, after this year of uh, live remote, um, online uh what do you see some students uh liking it not liking it what is the and all about faculty
1: yeah so for uh there are classes that filled up uh when we made them live remote um and, and clearly students showed a preference for that modality for those classes other classes didn't run as well um uh, and certainly I heard from students as the dean, I heard from students that they wanted to be back on campus. Um, and I also heard the other word that the students who had to take their, you know, their their lab science class on campus that they wish that it could have been online. Um, so, I, so I heard it both ways. I, I think that as we go forward, you know, we've got probably about 20% of our classes and about 30% of our students will take classes that are online and that's that's been consistent throughout the past five years or so Um, and we will probably continue that Um, and so as we go back and bring more things to campus i'm also seeing that there's a possibility that we can continue with Elrond it works for a lot of courses i'm thinking about you know 10 to 20 percent of our classes in the future will be l as well, so we could have, we could have as much as like forty percent of our classes that would be some form of remote or online, and that's so that's monitor- when every, that's when everything's right. back to normal,
0: right? And you monitor them, and and the great thing is that the students they they sort of in a way vote by registration, right? They, right. They kind of you know, say, hey, if everyone's you know wanting to register for these this class in this kind of method you have a very clear way to to um to, to know what the demand is
1: right but we've also found that we really do just need to keep our uh, our capacity and our ability to be able to pivot we need to make sure that we, our systems stay strong and that um that everyone remains trained so that when they do or or if they do have to go online for any reason that they're able to do that successfully and easily
0: yeah. Do you think that you know after this year of co- you know covid people having had to make that change somewhat you know, more suddenly? I mean, you guys got a little bit of a legs up because you had, you know, done a lot of that legwork work. Yeah, for for
1: some. I mean, we did, yeah. we had, just like I think every college, we had a few of our faculty who were just not quite ready, and it took quite a bit of work to, to lift them up to where they needed to be. And then with a couple, we still had to support them throughout that process. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's probably unavoidable in all situations. I mean, I couldn't imagine any, almost probably any companies, you know, that had to do that. They probably had to help out somehow for right. some, for certain people. But the percentage is probably, you know, low at this point because COVID kind of forced you all to have have to go through that process, right. didn't it? Um,
1: so that slow cultural yeah. shift that, that I did to get us on portfolios here, uh, yeah. we've... Also discovered that if a pandemic happens, we can actually make that shift overnight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, so they all, all the different methods work. Yeah. Um, but, but maybe, well, you see, it comes back down to the kind of leadership and the culture that you build at the institution. Um, you know, I think that there is a um, definitely a sense of. Uh, you know what I at least what I saw at, at Three Rivers. You know during the pandemic. I mean, we we kept in touch and we had checked in. You know, probably like once a month or so, mm-hmm. either with you, or Amanda, and and um, it really did feel like that. Uh, you guys had a pretty good, good, good plan throughout, um, mm-hmm. having ways to handle whatever it is that you needed to handle. So that's. Um, um, you know, maybe that's that sense of it's mission critical, it needed to be done so it will get done yeah. um, you'll you'll figure it out right yeah. um, although i I do think that everyone else also got thrown into that sort of mentality in that depend, I think the most most maybe not all of us, but mo- most of us went made it right yeah um, yeah. So that's uh, that speaks to some kind of the, the resilience of, you know, the, the institutions that exist. Sometimes we think about certain institutions not being very efficient, but then when it really they need to step up, I think many, many did. You know, they did their best and, and it worked for the most part. Um, and I, I actually wanted to talk a little bit maybe to wrap up. I want to talk a little bit about um, your thoughts on the role of community colleges. It's something that I'm very interested in because I think that, um, you know, in the landscape of higher education, there is, there are so many models that remember the MOOCs, right. And, and, um, they, they still exist, but in very different forms now. Nice. Um, right. Um, the various kind of, um, training vocational, you know, like training, um, community colleges, um, takes a very special part of the, the the higher education sector and in fact it's a very large, very, very large number wise, um, you know, in, in higher education that a lot of people don't even know. Um, and but I want you I want sort of your take, you know, someone in the trenches, your take on, you know, the, the role of community colleges, because I just think it's amazing what what you do and, and the, the the service that you provide to your students.
1: Yeah, so so one of the kind of flippant things that I say is that, you know, the students who go to Harvard and Yale and MIT, we could put those students in a room with a box of rocks and have them write a dissertation on it, and they would do it, and they would do it very well, and it would be a pretty impressive thing. Um and, the average student can't do that. The average student needs a, a lot more guidance. They need they need support. Um, and and I think then when you're talking about you know what community colleges do, we're the people that are the practitioners of education that actually actually do provide all that extra guidance. So, so we're not only we're saying okay here are the rocks, but let me tell you something about rocks first. <laughs> And and so you have some information and then you learn how to analyze those rocks yourself. And then you learn how to put that dissertation together and you learn about um, APA rules or whatever. Um, And and so I think that uh, I think that that's that's what community colleges do. I think that there's a strong niche. Uh, You know, we were talking to the uh, a few years ago to the um, the submarine base here, the commander, and we were talking about what we needed to do to support students there. And, um, and, and, and these are students who don't necessarily have degrees, um, but they have a wealth of experience in the military. Um, and, and they are also people who get the job done. Uh, and so we're saying, how can we support them more? Um, and, and he was talking about, you know, the new GI Bill and how the GI Bill gives them a lot of opportunity. And so now they don't have to go to the community college anymore. They've got a lot of options. A lot of them will enroll straight in the university. He saw that as a disadvantage from what he was seeing because some of them would get in, they wouldn't do well. They didn't have the support that they needed. Um, and, And so he wished that they would at least start at the community college and kind of get their get their footing before they head off in that direction and they could save some money for the GI Bill and and for themselves um and and so I so I think this is also something that the community college does and and the community college is also the local college when you're talking about um some people in the community that may be disadvantaged they aren't necessarily able to travel outside of their area you know most Mm -hmm. the studies have been done most of the Students that go to community college, you're, you're, you know, within 10 or 20 miles of the campus. And so, so it's just a short drive. And for us, we even have some students who take the bus. And so it's a short bus ride um, that, that come. And and we try to support all of those students in a variety of ways, you know, from the tutoring center, from the way that we design our academic programs um, with, with, with job skills in mind. A lot of times we had a project last year that we did, um, you know, QA Commons, where we were looking at several of our programs and we were trying to decide uh, where we could incorporate employability skills for those students. You know, the, the, not the hard skills, but the kind of soft skills of working in groups and, and how you deal with people and those things to make them much more employable. So, so we have an eye on on that as well. Um, you know, we we have a childcare center. We got, uh, you know, um, we've got advising that we're sending students to. We're trying to do more proactive advising where you're doing outreach and grabbing the student and checking with them several times a semester, even if they didn't ask you to do that. Right. Uh, so, so all of those things, I think, you know, may be occurring at a university. Um, uh, and they may be available, um, but it's definitely happening in community colleges, uh, and, and I think that uh, it's a great place at, at minimum for a student to start.
0: I agree, and i i I will add to that. I will add that in. Community colleges, I mean, I work with so many community colleges and, you know, the, the big common theme that I always find and I always find to be, you know, one of the most underrated thing is that um, everyone from the professors to the administrators, you know, the staff members, they really take um, the top priority as the well-being of the students and the, the, and the, the, the teaching and learning that happens in the classroom. And outside of the classroom, but the, the 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 general development of students as being their priority, and I do think that in some situations, you know, you can have a university where, um, it's, it's, it's not. Easy to escape, but like sometimes it's ranking. Sometimes it's you know the research. Sometimes it's the research money. Sometimes it's the prestige. You know something else takes over as being the most important thing that is on the agenda, and it it feels strongly to me that that's one of the things that students sometimes don't get, or maybe parents don't get. Is that in a community college, everyone there. It's the the only, the the one thing that they care about the most is just the well-being of the students and the learning that happens.
1: Yeah, and they care about it. And another thing for us is a number of our instructors are also people in the community um, and, and, you know, people who are experienced in that area. They're not not in the university doing research all the time. They're actually, you know, our accounting um, program coordinator is an accountant. You know, he has. Right, right. You know, our our architecture and instructor and program coordinator is an architect. So, right. Right. so, so, so that's the kind of people that you have. You actually have people who are actually working in those fields who are there also teaching those classes.
0: Right, and there's that understanding of hey, it's not just the. You know, I've landed in this very comfortable space where I can, you know, research and do the things that I, I like, almost like re- remove from the world. But you actually, you know, your professors are the ones that are really in the trenches, just like the students will be in just a few more years. Yeah. And so they really, I mean, I think there's that that relationship. It's it's in it's uh it's is really valuable and for for many students, I think that it's something that they probably didn't realize that they're missing. Mm-hmm. Um, if they didn't know about it. Well, Kim, listen, um, you are um, an inspiration. Thank you so much for sharing um, your wisdom and, you know, your journey and your experience with us. Uh, it's a, uh, it's really wonderful to see that. And uh, I, I hope that as we all go back to the fall semester uh, that we get this uh, virus under control, you know, the, 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 the new variant, as you said, you know, it's, it's a little bit scary, but we'll hopefully, you know, we'll we'll, we'll do the right things and do the sensible things. Um, and uh, but uh, I I hope also that you continue um, this kind of innovation and the leadership that you exhibited uh, in this last um, you know the, even just ten years that I know you. Uh, but uh, and we continue to do that and uh, looking forward to it.
1: All right. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff.
0: <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.
1: Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanishis. Thanks for listening.